Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Welcome to First Christian Church for week number two of our sermon series called How to Live a Meaningless Life from the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. Now, some of you, last week, you mentioned that's a strange title for a sermon series, but it really does fit with Solomon's tone and style. And we learned last week that this profound book is cynical and sarcastic, biting yet brilliant, and reality reversed. And by reality reversed, what we mean is King Solomon, the author of Ecclesiastes, often says the opposite of what he means. Our big idea last week was meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless except a life lived for God. We also learned last week that Solomon was rather cynical. He was in a cynical space when he wrote this very unique biblical book. And while his reign as king started with hopeful optimism, over time, Solomon became jaded and disillusioned. In fact, it appears that Solomon was in some sort of midlife or post-midlife crisis when he wrote it. And that is something quite a few people actually experience as they age. I've read that as many as one in four Americans in their 40s today experience a midlife something, a struggle or a crisis of some sort. And and there are any number of reasons we might get to such a place. But there are two big triggers they talk about. One happens when we, we get to a point in life and we realize all the hopes and all the dreams we had for our lives aren't all going to come true. Like many of the things we envisioned for ourselves as early as our teenage years, but especially in our 20s and 30s, certain kind of education, certain kind of job, certain kind of home, certain kind of family, certain kind of career and success, we just take an inventory of things and we realize they're not all going to happen. Like we we expected to be in this place by 30 years old and then this place by 35 years old and then this place by 40 years old and this place by 45 years old so that by 50, 55, 60, 65, we could hopefully be in that kind of place. But somewhere in our 40s, we look around and we just do the math and we realize it's not gonna happen. Like the numbers don't add up. If we stay on the path we're on, we're not gonna get there. And we enter into a cynical, jaded, disillusioned space. That's, that's one kind of midlife crisis. Another kind of midlife crisis is, is really the complete opposite, but it's just as difficult emotionally and spiritually. It's when we get into our 40s and and we realize, and of course, by then for most of us, our kids aren't little anymore, and and we get into our 40s, we get into space, and we realize we made it. Like everything we envisioned, all of our goals and our plans and our dreams and our ideas of success, we got her done. 
We got the education, we got the job, we got the career and the family, we experienced the success, and in our retirement in 20 years, almost looks like it's already set. And and we did everything we set out to do. We accomplished our goals. We thought it would take us 45 years, but it only took us 25 years to get there. And now the kids, they're they're about to be out of the house, and you just have this vision of how it's going to be this mountaintop experience. But it's not. You'd think it would it would finally make us happy. But it doesn't. You'd think we would finally experience contentment. But we don't. And you'd think we could finally rest with a little peace. But no. We experienced all the stuff, but we still struggle with, with our sins, with our shortcomings, with our insecurities, and, and our, our brokenness still haunts us, and the scars we suffered to get to this point that we worked so hard to get to still hurt us, and, and we wonder if it was worth it. And sometimes we say, really? This is all there is? I thought it would be better. And this seems to be the space we find King Solomon in, in the book of Ecclesiastes. He did everything. He tried everything. He experienced everything. He succeeded at virtually everything. He denied himself nothing his eyes desired. He, he pursued it all, and he had it all. And it's almost like he's saying, I thought it would be better. I have been there. And maybe you've been there too. In this series, we're discovering all the things Solomon pursued in his search for happiness, his quest to enjoy and experience the meaning of life. And the thing we're gonna see today that he pursued was knowledge. That's our focus for today, his pursuit of knowledge and wisdom. And and here's our big idea for today. If you want to live a meaningless life, live for knowledge. If you want to live a meaningful life, live to know God. Now listen, knowledge is power and gaining knowledge is good, but gaining knowledge for the sake of gaining knowledge is not good enough. Whenever we pursue knowledge, we should pursue knowledge for a purpose, that we would know God more fully and help others know God more fully as well. If you wanna live a meaningless life, one that will leave you empty in the end, pursue knowledge for the simple sake of knowing more. But if you wanna live a meaningful life, then live to know God and to make him more fully known. Ecclesiastes chapter one, verses 12 through 18 says, this is Solomon writing, he says, I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. 
I've seen all the things that are done under the sun and all of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. In other words, what is wrong cannot be made right. I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem. Before me, I have, I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. And then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom, also of madness and folly. But I learned this too, is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. And the more knowledge the more grief. I have really fond memories of my early childhood. We had 50 acres of green grass. We had 30 acres of forest. We had this creek running through the middle of our little farm. We had ponds to fish in. We had horses to ride and puppies to play with. And life as a young child seemed sweet as sugar. In my eyes, my, my father was a superhero and, and my mother was a super mom. I, I even believed, I literally believed this, that one of the world's tallest freestanding statues, the Tulsa Golden Driller, I thought that was a statue of my grandpa Jim <laughs> for years. In hindsight, I knew so little and I enjoyed so much. The passing years, however, I began to understand how hard my dad had to work just to hold things together and, and how my mom used alcohol to cope with her stress. And then I learned it wasn't a statue of my grandpa, Jim. <laughs> and I've always felt blessed, but the older I become, the more understanding I acquire, the more life I experience well, the world sometimes becomes a little less bright. And today I can understand where Solomon is coming from in Ecclesiastes 1.18 when he says, with much wisdom comes much sorrow. And the more knowledge, the more grief. And how many of you can, can understand? Like you just feel it, you get it. You, like, yeah, you read that, you go, I see where he's coming from. Like the older you get, the harder things get. Or, or the more you know, the more you wish you didn't know. You ever said to yourself, I think ignorance really is bliss. Now, I genuinely believe, before I sound too negative, I genuinely believe most of us have it pretty good. Like most of us have jobs and most of us have friends and most of us have family and most of us have food in the pantry. And oh, by the way, most of us have air conditioning, which I consider just kind of a baseline for having a pretty good life. Did you know that Americans use more air conditioning than the rest of the entire world combined? Air conditioning is actually a sign of global Wealth, a global sign of wealth. If you can afford air conditioning, you're in the top 5% of all income earners on planet Earth. You're welcome. <laughs> I really do believe most of us have it pretty good. But if I were a philosopher, 
I might feel differently. If it were my job to ponder all the puzzling things happening in our world and why, I might not be so optimistic. You know, King Solomon may have been one of the world's first philosophers. The word philosopher comes from two Greek words, philo, which means love, and sophia, which means wisdom. So philosophia, or philosopher, is one who loves wisdom, who pursues understanding, who desires to know more. And strangely enough, philosophers are not just known for loving wisdom, they're also known for committing suicide. In fact, much has been written about the philosopher's propensity toward suicide. In his book of dead philosophers, author and philosopher, Simon Critchley goes so far to argue that the philosopher's greatest work of art is the manner of their death. Now, those are some pretty dark words. And I just have to wonder if that's how Solomon, the philosopher king, was feeling when he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Let's take a closer look at Ecclesiastes 1 to find out. We're going to begin in verses 12 and 13. Solomon says, I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. And in this knowledge or this pursuit of knowledge, he says, what a heavy burden. God has laid on mankind. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but Solomon is rather famous for being the wisest man who ever lived. In fact, there is a story in the Old Testament that, that commemorates or talks about Solomon's wisdom and his pursuit of wisdom and his desire for wisdom. Now, King David had died, and Solomon was this, still this young king, and he was seeking guidance. And while seeking guidance, 1 Kings chapter 3 says that the Lord appeared to him in a dream to honor the family of King David. God told Solomon in this dream that he would give him anything he asked for. And so Solomon asked for wisdom. Of all the things he could have asked for, he asked for wisdom because he desired the wisdom necessary to govern well. What is wisdom? Well, wisdom is keen insight into life and especially into ways of dealing with life's problems. And Solomon asked for wisdom, and God was so impressed that Solomon asked for wisdom instead of wealth or power or long life or victory over his enemies. So impressed that Solomon asked for wisdom instead of the other things, God promised to give him all of the above. And in today's verses, the focus is on Solomon's pursuit of wisdom. God promised to make Solomon the wisest man who ever lived, and Solomon pursued that with a passion. He made wisdom and knowledge his first goal. Now, we're going to see over the next few weeks less noble goals would come later. But still, verses 14 and 15, he says, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun, and all of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind, what is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. 
few of the key words and phrases we're gonna see throughout the book of Ecclesiastes are found in these verses. The word meaningless, it's the key word. It's actually used 36 different times in this book. The phrase chasing after the wind is used six times. In verse 18, we're gonna stumble on the word sorrow and grief as well. But first, let's look at verse 16. He says, I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. And as I read through these verses, it appears just from the get-go that Solomon is getting off the rails a little bit. God promised to give Solomon this wisdom and this knowledge from above, but Solomon pursued wisdom and knowledge on his own, sometimes apart from God, often in ways that would not bring honor to God. But I just want you to notice here how many times Solomon refers to himself, how many times he talks about himself. He uses the word me, myself, and I 11 times in just seven verses. And it's almost like he is congratulating himself and he's taking all the credit for his success and his education and his knowledge and wisdom. He's not honoring God. He's saying, look at me. I have done this. I have increased in wisdom. I have experienced knowledge. Verse 17, then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom, but also to madness and folly. And I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. And here Solomon talks about his pursuit of three things, all of which we mentioned last week, but they're worth mentioning again. He talks about his pursuit of madness. That means the emptiness of mind, basically ignorance. Just say, doesn't matter what I know, just go for it. Let's just experience it. Perhaps ignorance really is bliss, he thinks. But he finds out it's not. But he thought he'd give it a try anyway. So he pursues madness. It also says he pursues folly. And you say, well, what in the world does that mean? Well, basically, in our context, it would be a going clubbing lifestyle or a living for the party lifestyle. We're gonna see in the next few weeks how Solomon pursued sex, alcohol, and everything, anything and everything his eyes desired. So he pursued madness, he pursued folly, but he also says he pursued wisdom the pursuit of knowledge. And that's our focus for today. Solomon's educational and experiential pursuit of knowledge and wisdom. And of course, the pursuit of knowledge, pursuit of wisdom is not bad. In fact, it's something we are to pray for. It's something we are to pursue. And it's, of course, far more noble than the pursuit of madness and folly. But even the pursuit of knowledge and wisdom left Solomon empty. And so at the end of all these pursuits, Solomon described life in three ways. He says it's meaningless, it's wearisome, and it's a chasing after the wind. And again, we mentioned these last week, but I want, want to focus on them. I want you to perhaps circle them in your Bibles write them down in your notes. This word meaningless means useless, irrational, pointless, foolish, empty, and exercise in futility. Life is meaningless, he says. Then this word wearisome, he says life is wearisome. That means, and maybe, maybe you can feel this, full of work, but without bringing profit. Ever been there? You're like, I'm putting in the time putting in the effort, putting in the work, but doesn't feel like I'm getting anywhere. Maybe you've been there. 
And then this phrase, chasing after the wind, should probably be translated as feeding on the wind. But it indicates you're hungry. But even when you eat, what you eat is utterly unsatisfying. Even the pursuit of knowledge and wisdom, and we get it with folly and madness. We're like, yeah, of course you feel that way. But even the pursuit of knowledge and wisdom left Solomon with a meaningless taste in his mouth, with a wearisome feeling in his bones, with an unsatisfied hunger in his heart and soul. In fact, the more knowledge and the more wisdom Solomon gained, the unhappier he became. Verse 18, he said, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. And the more knowledge, the more grief. Now, does this mean we should not pursue knowledge and wisdom? No, it does not. And there better not be any students out there who go home this first week of school. Well, Pastor Matt said, education's not that important. Not what I'm saying. Of course, there's probably skeptics out there who'd say that preacher wants to keep his people uneducated and ignorant. That's not what I'm saying. I believe the pursuit of knowledge and wisdom is a noble one. I have college and graduate degrees. Show how much I value that pursuit. And that's part of the reason I am where I am in life. Solomon's not saying that the pursuit of knowledge and wisdom and education are unimportant. The truth is they're incredibly important. Statistically, more education means less crime. More education means less poverty. More education means better health. Education is incredibly important. But what Solomon is saying is this. It won't make you happy. It won't save you from your brokenness. And it may very well leave you with even more sorrow and grief than before. With much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. And you hear that and you just go, okay, like what then? If that's the truth, then, then what's next? When, when you've pursued everything and you've experienced everything and you've done everything and so you, you know a whole lot of things and, and you still find yourself unhappy and, and at times empty and you find yourself undone by your own brokenness still, what then? Well, in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon essentially says you got two options. Option number one, eat, drink, and work. And by the way, this is cynical, not instructional. This phrase is used three times in the book. It is a cynical one. It's a concession. It's like since life is filled with so much sorrow and so much grief, then just eat your food and drink your wine and do your work, and that's it. That's all there is to life. But we learned last week that what Solomon says is not always what he means. Option number one would be the optimal pursuit if there were a no option two. But there is an option two, and it's the better option. Option number two, fear God and keep his commandments. 
this is the better option. To fear God, that simply means to respect and to honor God, to obey God, to hold God in high and sincere regard. The last few verses of Ecclesiastes, after after Solomon walks through all the meaningless things in life, Solomon, at the very end, and not until the end, reveals the true path to happiness and to spiritual healthiness. And that is to fear God and keep his commandments. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For me, this kind of reminds me of the Westminster Catechism. Some of you learned that in confirmation classes, growing up in church as children, they would ask the question, what is the chief end of man? And your response would be to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's pretty good. In fact, that is the good life, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Well, that brings us to our takeaway for today. We have, uh, we have three recurring words to remember in the book of Ecclesiastes, meaningless, wearisome, and a chasing after the wind. And then we have two options when we realize that, that life can feel this way an awful lot. Option number one is eat, drink, and work. Option number two is to fear God and keep his commands. And then we have one takeaway for today. I wanna encourage you this week, spend 20 minutes a day with God. 20 minutes every day this week. Do a 20-minute daily time with God. Just think about it like this. If you want to know something, then you have to spend time studying it and educating yourself about it. But if you want to know someone, not just about them, but actually know them, then you have to spend time with them. And of course, God, God is a person, not a thing, And so don't just spend time learning about him as if he's a thing, but spend time with him because he's a person. So I don't even know what that looks like. Well, here's a start. I would recommend reading your Bible for five to 10 minutes every day to learn something about God and then pray to him for five to 10 minutes every day to get to know God. In fact, I'd love it if you just stay in Ecclesiastes this week. Many of you read the book last week. You sent me notes. You're like, this is a this is this is a book, man. Like you went through that, you read that. We want to stay there to prepare us for next week. Read two chapters in Ecclesiastes every day this week. That'll take five to ten minutes and then meditate and pray on what you just read for five to ten more minutes. Do that every day this week to spend time with God and to get ready for next week. Don't just acquire knowledge for the sake of acquiring knowledge. Acquire knowledge for the sake of knowing God more fully and helping others know him more fully as well. You know, we have, a, we have access to more knowledge at our fingertips than previous generations could access at a college library I actually read this, this is incredible. We have more access to more information in a single day than people living a thousand years ago had in an entire lifetime. Even in the 28 years since I started doing church work, our ability to access information has evolved incredibly. I, I used to have to spend hours upon hours upon hours just pouring over pages in books to do sermon research and sermon writing. And now I, can, now I can open tools digitally and I can type in key words and key phrases and off we go. 
I can access far more information, far more knowledge in far less time than ever before. And, and that is something our whole world is experiencing. And because of that, I can acknowledge that lots of things have actually gotten better in this world. But not everything has. That in some ways we've made progress, but in other ways we've gone backwards. And in so many ways, it seems like we've just inched further and further and further away from God. We have all this knowledge. Well, more knowledge won't save the world. But more of God and his love will. If you want to live a meaningless life, live for knowledge. If you want to live a meaningful life, live to know God. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for revealing yourself to us through the grand beauty and design of nature, through the work of your Holy Spirit, through the wisdom shared with us in Scripture, and most clearly through Jesus. Thank you for revealing yourself to us that we may know, love, serve, and live for you and find our meaning, our purpose in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.